It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 134, one of the craziest stories ever told. As the Feast of Tabernacles nears, and Jeroboam is finishing his golden calf and making the necessary arrangements at Bethel for his new idol worship center, the Lord speaks to one of his prophets. The Bible doesn't give him a name, but Josephus names him Jadon. The Lord speaks to Jadon. Go to Bethel and speak to Jeroboam and prophesy to him, but you must not eat bread or drink water or return by the way you came. Jadon was called by God to speak to Jeroboam at the opening of his idol worship center, and he was most likely really touched or imparted with God's power because of what is about to happen. In addition, the weight of God's presence must have been upon him. His message will be judgment and the fear of the Lord. His assignment was to speak God's word and to make sure he didn't eat bread or water or go back home the same way. These were specific directions because of the power of God was about to be displayed and Jadon would be God's instrument of his power and prophecy. To consider Jadon prior to this event and to think back on what is about to happen with prophecy and power can be overwhelming. Now we get to the grand opening ceremony. The man of God most likely enters as a normal member of Israel and watches all the festivities. Instead of taking everything in as entertainment and enjoyment like the others, he was getting more angry and angry, being filled with the Lord's judgment against idol worship. All right, here we go. 1 Kings 13 By the word of the Lord, a man of God came from Judah to Bethel. As Jeroboam was standing by the altar to make an offering, by the word of the Lord he cried out against the altar, 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 this is what the Lord says, A son named Josiah will be born to the house of David. On you he will sacrifice the priest of the high places who make offerings here, and bones, human bones, will be burned on you. That same day the man of God gave a sign. This is the sign the Lord has declared. The altar will be split apart and the ashes on it will be poured out. Next, everything happens really fast. All right, basically he's standing by all the others, and he screams God's words completely in the face of what Jeroboam was trying to do. He speaks directly to the altar. He prophesies, he speaks to the altar, and declares who the instrument of God's judgment will be. His name will be Josiah, and he will sacrifice not cattle and sheep, like Jeroboam is, but the actual priest, and burn human bones on the altar. And then he has the insane faith to declare the altar will be torn in two now. This happens immediately. Sometimes it's good to have a visual. I was reading the Action Bible to my five-year-old at night, and the visual they gave was incredible. Not that this happened exactly like this, but it was like power came out of the prophet's hand or mouth when he declared the message, which split the altar. At this very moment, Jeroboam stuck his hand in the path of that power coming to destroy the altar or split it in two. 1 Kings 13.4 
When King Jeroboam heard that the man of God cried out against the altar at Bethel, he stretched out his hand from the altar and said, Seize him. But the hand he stretched out toward the man shriveled up, so that he could not pull it back. Also the altar was split apart, and its ashes poured out according to the sign given by the man of God by the word of the Lord. It's amazing to consider this prophet prophesies with such detail, send some kind of electromagnetic force to split a rock, and now shrivels the man of the king who built the idol. What a crazy scene, but it's only going to get wilder. Next, we had a healing miracle, mix in a false prophet, and errors made by Jadon in not obeying God's word completely. 1 Kings 13.6 Then the king said to the man of God, Intercede with the Lord your God and pray for me that my hand may be restored. So the man of God interceded with the Lord and the king's hand was restored and became as it was before. What happens next is the encounter with the false prophet. But first, let's note what has already happened by God through Jadon. He gave a prophecy of a powerful man of judgment to come. There was the splitting of the altar by some angelic heavenly force, the shriveling of the king's hand, and a healing miracle. Outrageous, eh? Next, the king invites Jadon to come to his house for a meal and receive a gift. He denies this and declares he must travel back a different way, and the Lord commanded him to not agree to this and to travel a different way and to not eat food or drink drink or to stay at anyone's house that he shouldn't and to travel back a different way. This I worked into the beginning of the episode for clarity, because Jadon was commanded to not mingle with anyone near Bethel, and it was for a reason. Now we mix in the false prophet, and to be clear, the Bible is not clear on this. It never says he was true or a false prophet. It just says he was a prophet. To be honest, the first few times I read this, it made me confused, but this is what the Bible does many times when it speaks of prophets. When it speaks of prophets, it lets you decide whether he or she is true or false. His actions make it abundantly clear he is a false prophet. And if need further clarification, Josephus, Jewish historian, just plainly calls this guy a false prophet. Now we're introduced to this false prophet, 1 Kings 13.11. Now there was a certain old prophet living in Bethel whose sons came and told him all that the man of God had done there that day. They also told their father that he said what he said to the king. Their father asked him, Which way did he go? And his son showed him which road the man of God from Judah had taken. So he said to his son, Saddle the donkey for me. And when he had saddled the donkey for him, he mounted it and rode after the man of God. He found him sitting under an oak tree and asked him, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? I am, he replied. So the prophet said to him, Come home with me and eat. The man of God said, I cannot turn back and go with you, nor can I eat bread or drink water with you in this place. I have been told by the word of the Lord you must not eat bread or drink water there or return by the way you came. The old prophet answered, I too am a prophet, as you are. And an angel said to me by the word of the Lord, Bring him back with you to your house, so that he may eat bread and drink water. But he was lying to him. So the man of God returned with him and ate and drank in his house. All right, so take note. It says the old prophet was lying to him. The Bible didn't clarify it was good or bad, but you get to decide for yourself based upon his behavior. All right, so let's go further. We know this guy's a false prophet. 
easy enough because he lies. He just is because he's lying, and God told Jadon to not stay or eat or stay at anyone's house, but he does. Now, what is he eating? If he's a false prophet, he was eating from the table of idol worship, and further, he was eating food sacrificed to idols. This is basically like drinking poison in its day. All right, let's just throw that in there as well. So in summary, he's is out of the will of God. He's taken the bait and agreed to dine with a false prophet, an idol worshiper, and now eating food sacrificed to idols. Let's go further. If you know the story of Elijah, after he defeats the Baal worshipers on Mount Carmel, it's an amazing story, but he's exhausted and worn out completely, and he runs when he learns of the curses of Jezebel. This shouldn't have happened. I mean, he shouldn't have been afraid of Jezebel, and he shouldn't have run from her. But the reason is exhaustion. Elijah was so used by God, and so much of God worked through him, his flesh was worn out. I mean, he was done. Here's Jadon. He's resting under a tree like Elijah under the broom bush. He was tired, hungry, physically spent because God's power flew through him. We have a friend who's a missionary in India, and God has used him to do amazing things. He's even had to pray for uh, people that have died or have nearly died. And he said it was one of the hardest things he's ever done. But God has used him to do stupendous miracles. But he said he nearly died in the process many times. Putting Jadon in this context, like a soldier in the military who's running on adrenaline for hours, there must be a come down. Your body must catch up with itself. Jadon was at a total moment of fleshly weakness, and he gave in. Assuming the older, more experienced prophet was to be trusted, after all, he saw an angel, right? 1 Kings 13.20 While they were sitting at the table, the word of the Lord came to the old prophet who had brought him back. He cried out to the man of God who had come from Judah, This is what the Lord says, You have defied the word of the Lord and have not kept the command of the Lord your God gave you. You came back and ate bread and drank water in the place where he told you not to eat or drink. Therefore, your body will not be buried in the tomb of your ancestors. All right, so what's just happened was the false prophet just cursed Jadon. He curses Jadon with a miserable fate. Jadon was given instructions by God to not have this happen. He may have resigned himself to this fate when it was spoken because he may not have understood God's grace completely or he overly trusted this senior prophet, though he was a false prophet. For the false prophet basically took a page from a witch's notebook and gave a false prophecy or a devil's plan over Jadon's life. What allowed it to happen most likely was that Jadon believed it, and he agreed with it with his mouth. This was not God's will for Jadon. Josephus adds the motives of the false prophet, who worshipped the golden calves. The old man, the old prophet, was highly esteemed and in the area didn't want to lose prestige and desired to foil the reputation of Jadon, and boldly went after him to destroy him to turn the heart of the king back to him and his gods. Unfortunately, he succeeds, but God's prophecy remains, and we'll end this episode with the aggressive Josiah fulfillment 
of the prophecy. Now consider the craziness of this scene. 1 Kings 13.23 When the man of God had finished eating and drinking, the prophet who had brought him back saddled his donkey for him, and as he went on his way, a lion met him on the road and killed him, and his body was left lying on the road with both the donkey and the lion standing beside it. Some people who passed by and saw the body lying there with the lion standing beside the body, and they went and reported in the city where the old prophet lived. When the prophet who had brought him back from his journey heard of it, he said, It is the man of God who defied the word of the Lord. The Lord has given him over to the lion, which has mauled him and killed him, as the word of the Lord had warned him. Next, the prophet went on to persuade Jeroboam to not believe in the power of God. Here is Josephus' conclusion. Why are you disturbed at the words of this silly fellow? This is the uh, old prophet speaking to Jeroboam. And when the king had related to him what had happened about the altar and about his own hand, and given the names of the divine man and an excellent prophet, he endeavored by a wicked trick to weaken his opinion. And by using plausible words concerning what had happened, he aimed to injure the truth that was in him. For he attempted to persuade him that his hand was enfeebled by the labor it had undergone in supporting the sacrifices, and that upon its resting a while it returned to its former nature again, and that as to the altar it was but new, and had borne an abundance of sacrifices, and those large ones too, and it was accordingly broken to pieces, and fallen down by the weight of what had been laid upon it. He also informed him of the death of the prophet that had foretold these things, and how he perished. And he had anything in him of a prophet he did not, nor spoke anything like one. And when he had thus spoken, he persuaded the king and entirely alienated his mind from God. To conclude this episode of Message to Kings, you may ask yourself, what do you do with a story like this one? I mean, seriously, we just covered a powerful generational prophecy, the splitting of rock with the power of words, a miracle healing, a false witchcraft prophecy, and a very unnatural event where a lion attacked the man on a donkey but didn't attack the donkey. All right, first of all, when the waters are muddy, you have to remember black and white hot and cold, good and evil. Who represents good and who represents bad in this story? When we have this clearly identified, we can understand the story better. The prophet who was operating with the extremity of the fear of the Lord, carrying the message of the fear of the Lord, was required to have perfect obedience. Jadon was a good prophet. But his message was the fear of the Lord. This is the case with the harsh stories and the harsh judgment that occurs at times in the story of Uzzah and the ark, or even Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament. In the midst of God's power, hearts must be pure and in relationship, and only those with the knowledge of grace can rise above instant judgment. Jadon was given one specific warning, which could have been interpreted as the enemy wants to destroy you via false prophecy or false hospitality leading to a false prophecy. 
Do not give in. Do not eat with them. Do not stay with them. Do not travel with them. But what did Jadon do? He didn't obey. Operating in extreme miracles requires extreme obedience. Jesus seems to do miracles different every time. For example, the blind man had mud placed in his eyes. Deliverance occurred just by command. Peter told a cripple to stand. There are so many different ways. Jadon prophesied and did some crazy death ray thing to the idol, which caused it to split in half. That's outrageous sci-fi. God's power in a time of judgment and confrontation with evil came with a requirement of obedience. He failed to heed God's warning and not understanding God's grace like a King David, he ended up facing the consequences. And there must have been also a trusting of that senior prophet and acknowledging of his word as true and from God, though it wasn't at all. To consider Jadon's prophecy will not be fulfilled for over 400 years is astounding. After the upper kingdom of Israel is eradicated by the Assyrians, and the people of the country are forced marched to other areas of the Middle East, the kingdom of Judah survives and is standing alone against Assyria. Judah, which has been subject to horrible times of idol worship and demonic influence, worst of all by the hands of King Manasseh, has an incredible revival led by a new king whose name was Josiah. Josiah took on the kingship with great zeal, and when the lost scrolls of Israel were discovered, he took them on with such zeal he took an army over the border, out of the country to Bethel, and did exactly what was prophesied and spared the grave of Jadon. We end this episode with the fulfillment of the Jadon prophecy. 2 Kings 23.15 Even the altar at Bethel, the high place made by Jeroboam son of Nebat, who had caused Israel to sin, even that altar and high place he demolished. He burned the high place, ground it to powder, and burned the Assyrian pole also. Then Josiah looked around, and when he saw the tombs that were there on the hillside, he had the bones removed from them and burned on the altar to defile it, in accordance with the word of the Lord proclaimed by the man of God who foretold these things. The king asked, What is that tombstone I see? The people of the city said, It marks the tomb of the man of God who came from Judah and pronounced against the altar of Bethel the very things you have done to it. Leave it alone, he said. Don't let anyone disturb his bones. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Message to Kings. Feel free to visit the website, messagetokings.com, share the Facebook page, or if you want to chat, email us at messagetokings at gmail.com.